kind of person who likes to let their imagination run a little bit wild? Are you afraid that maybe your imagination has a tendency to run a little too wild? All right, kids, if you're anywhere near this and you're listening, you may want to close your ears. And parents, you'll want to open your ears because in today's episode, we're going to dispel some common misconceptions about the, uh, shall we say, R-rated kind of variety dreams of the normal adult. Again, kids, you're going to want to take your imaginations into the other room because now it's time for the adults to have a healthy but fun conversation. We are going to do the top five fantasies. It was a really interesting uh, article that I found lately, but I have Amy. You are not in studio. You are actually driving in your car. Well, honey, you're not supposed to share that. Yeah, I am. I and actually, I've been quite shocked that you, of this podcast. I know what you tried to get away in from the it. world. Am I in for? I have a headache. Yeah, I know. That's what I was going to tell everybody because you know <laughs> you were skipping out on me, and I was like, I'll just tell him you had a headache and you couldn't do this show. Which you <laughs> laughed. I was very, I was very proud of you. You thought that was a funny one. But then I thought, wait a minute. I have technological abilities. Mm -hmm. So now you're on. And you're going to have to talk about it. Which is a good thing. We're we're going to show couples how to be healthy. That you can have a healthy conversation about sexual intimacy. But as you are well aware, our distraction of the day, it might be. So at the end of every podcast now I do this thing called distraction of the day and usually honey I'm just trying to look for stuff that'll mess with you <laughs> that's really what it's come down to well you know what at this point you probably don't need to mess with me too much I've kind of had a lot well, of not, late as of late yeah not so, negatively you know. mess with you but I want you either crying or I want you being like what that's impossible today though <laughs> today you're going to be a little I think you're going to be totally creeped out because this is, it is October and tomorrow is Halloween. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. You're going to learn something true that used to happen in the Victorian era. That's going to freak you out a little bit. It's really good. It's scary. It's sad. And it's going to be just the best way ever to, you know, Go into trick or treating, so that'll be coming no. up. Oh Our yeah, fall festivals. I yep. don't even like the trick or treating thing. Okay, yep. keep going. Yes. So, all right, all right. We have an upcoming event. So, our daughter producer said, "I need to start promoting yes. our live events." And where That's are we going true. this week? Where are we going this week? We're going to Mexico. Yeah, Playa del Carmen and our very own couples getaway, which is at. The El Dorado Maroma Beach, which is yeah going to be amazing. You and I are going to take it a, is yeah we're going to do a lot of photos, a lot of videos yeah because yes the couples you didn't make it on this one you made a mistake so don't you worry did. though you made a mistake you did not look at the website and you did not see that we are vacaying at the most amazing place yeah it's going to be gonna fun be missed out. so that's coming up. And then don't forget about our newest book. It is a called Pursue Oneness, Seven 
proven strategies to help you build the relationship of your dreams. And you can check that out at smalleyinstitute.com. And as always, honey, our outcry to subscribe to the show and leave reviews is working. Really? Yeah, people are going. So we appreciate you all who are listening and who are kind enough to take time to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review that makes all the difference in the world. And I actually read them and they're encouraging. So thank you. All right. So here's the deal. We're talking about, so there was a, a research study that just came out and Justin Lay Miller uh, talked about it in an article he called The Myths of Sex. But they were researching what are the top five fantasies of men and women when it comes to sex. And in case anyone's nervous, and if you're nervous, because I know you can't see the notes because you're driving, nothing well, is I crazy. Just, yeah. That, I, just, I just breathed a big breath. I know. Oh, wow. okay. I know. Well, you're going to be okay. But that's actually one of the – and this was not a Christian guy. I'm, I don't know if he's a Christian or not. I just mean – it wasn't, you know, a Christian article. This was just a flat-out research study in it, and it surprised that makes you me. even more nervous. No, I'm trying to tell you. It totally okay. surprised me how normal or how the majority of people, uh, it's really, you know, a part of this is trying to dispel the myths of men and women and of fantasy. So num- the number one thing that he learned is that uh-huh. you'll never guess who do you think appears most in your spouse's sexual fantasies? Thor. Thor. Oh, no. <laughs> you dropped a Thor bomb. That, that was like, nice. I totally thought you would play that safely, and you didn't. <laughs> I have never been more attracted to you. Ever. (laughs) Even though it wasn't me and it was Thor. Frankly, Thor would probably have been... That'd be my choice, too. He is a gorgeous man. I don't even know. You ready? Honestly, I don't even know his real name. I I know. Yeah. Okay, keep going. Do you know who it is? You. No. It's you. It's your your spouse. That's who people are fantasizing about is the one they're married with. Isn't yes, that awesome? Yes. See? I know that's me. I mean, well, yeah. that's me. I mean, have you I, uh, have you not seen me lately? I have. You're pretty darn attractive. Uh, I'm, I'm working oh, it. I'm working it. 110 pounds down. You and... are. Morella Beach, I think we're going to get a picture with you with your shirt off. Yeah, that's I not going to happen. I'm just thinking. No way. Yes. Depends okay, how much well. money I get paid. Oh, yeah. Then I'm open to it. So that's uh-huh. the first one. I told you these were going to be safe. That's good. Yeah. Good. So, hey, and and I also thought you might find it interesting because I because I know one of your big deals and well, it should be and it's mine too, are is the destructive power of negative beliefs. Yeah. And I think a lot of people negative belief their spouse to death that oh they're probably dreaming of so and so or. You know, they oh, yeah, got nothing Thor. but visions yes. of Thor in their head. And, yes. And it's not, not true. That's great. They're dreaming yeah. about you, girlfriend. Well, not you. Ooh, I get not, a dream about yeah. you. Their spouse. Yes, their spouse. their spouse. All right, number two. You'll never guess. 
This one I think is going to surprise you. You'll never guess what men and women fantasize most about changing themselves when it comes to sex. Like, so what does a man usually dream most about that he could improve about himself? And what does a woman tend to fantasize about in terms of improving herself? What would be your guess? Their body? Something yeah. to do with their body? Yeah. What's What's yeah. interesting, men tend to focus more specifically, which is not surprising, on our private parts. That's what oh. most men are fantasizing really? that that would improve or be different okay. or better. Most women, however, tend to focus on their overall body, like the whole package. Yeah. And that's probably because men tend to be visually oriented. Mm -hmm. That's been one of my big theories and probably out there. So I'm not trying to claim this is my own original thinking. But because, you know, women tend to be more put together, I think. You just yeah. don't ever meet. How many female slobs do you meet? Not Especially a lot. if you don't feel like it. If you have a low body image, then it's kind of like, there's kind of a part of you that kind of at a certain point, you kind of like, you know, just going to let it go. You know, you're going to really? love me for me and you're going to be kind of a little, you See, know. That sounds like a man. Sweatpants. You just own them. That sounds like a man, though. That's a woman, too, though. Really? I'm just telling you. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, in my, I would think. I, I think so. I mean, to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, they may be like, okay, well, now today I might try. But then if they don't really have a good body image or they feel whatever, I eat now, yeah. Huh. I Me, would not I'm a little that. different. Well. Yeah. I'm a little different because I'm a perfectionist. So I'm all, I have a tendency to think about, okay, so what is someone thinking about me? Like when I truly, yeah, if I miss, if this is going to be the first day that someone meets me, I want to try enough where they know that I try, but not too hard, where they think that I'm trying too hard. Is that not crazy? <laughs> that is a little. <laughs> Isn't that that is a little cuckoo. So I want to kind of like sit there in that middle ground where I'm not like overdoing it, where they think, "Oh, what is this girl? She's like fake, and what's going on there?" Oh, and then I don't want to be like, oh my gosh, this guy just let herself go. <laughs> Honey, I want you to have freedom from that. You, <laughs> I want, I want you in sweatpants <laughs> and oversized sweatshirts every day. No, there is freedom I mean, in sweatpants. <laughs> oh, well, I know yeah. that would not be you. Mm. Hey, and That's have you fun. noticed? Now that I'm feeling much... You're dressing a lot better. Oh, you are so cute. You came up this morning. Yeah. You're like, what? I was in pants. I know. I actually had yeah, pants I know on. I you did your cute little button up shirt on. Yeah. I got so it cute. in the OC, Orange County. Mm -hmm. All right, number three. <laughs> number three. And, and I'm just going to read this direct quote because I had to. So this is Justin Lay Miller. Overall, however... Most of the things that men are fantasizing about, wait for it, Amy, women mm -hmm. are fantasizing about too, and vice versa. Ultimately, this means is that women's fantasies have much more adventure mm -hmm. and variety in them, and men's fantasies have much more emotional content in them than most people give them credit for. What? No way. 
Yeah. What? I know. Really? Myth busted. Just that's just that number three. Is such a myth buster right there. I mean, because wow. what are the common the the common in, so in essence the common misconception is mm-hmm. by the maybe by the woman is uh mm-hmm. he just wants a physical act like he could care less mm-hmm. I could be asleep right mm-hmm. it doesn't matter he right. that's just flat out totally untrue and mm-hmm. maybe the big misconception that a guy might be thinking is uh she wants no she wants no excitement or she could care less about mm-hmm. sex or she's not interested in being creative and new. That's true. And, oh and yeah. Those are That's inaccurate a, again, negative beliefs. And what's sad is imagine where that takes a couple. If they believe oh, those yeah. things about each other, then they're not going to talk about it and they're going to miss out on things that they're frankly both desiring. Absolutely. And I think the biggest myth that I feel like that if I could tell women is that that emotional connection that men do feel in sex, that's that's at the heart of it. And that's what you're just saying totally speaks to that, that emotional connection. And wow, so they fantasize about like an emotional connection. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Because now... I would love for men to kind of diversify their, how they share their feelings, right? Because they do have them. Um, But being able to recognize that that's the place that they feel rejected the most. That's the place that they feel accepted the most, you know, so there's a pro and a con with it, but being able to, that's where their emotional needs get, get met. And that's, you know, I wouldn't want to minimize women's emotional needs, so we shouldn't minimize men's emotional needs. Yeah, we shouldn't. And everybody, take a deep breath, stop assuming the worst, and maybe yes. maybe be curious curious about each other. Ask questions. Talk about it. And, by the way, mm-hmm. even though in our current society, be okay mm-hmm. with feeling differently about something. It doesn't matter. It's okay well, if just, if yeah. I'm more adventurous or you're more. And I mean, we, um, you know, yeah. the goal is to be honoring and to serve each other, and and so we we need to stop allowing any kind of a difference just to be catastrophic. Right. Number love it four, and I actually think this is a very important one. Number four is. Not all fantasies are desires, which means your, your, your spouse might be fantasizing about something, but it doesn't mean we're actually overly excited to try it out. So just because there might be a fantasy doesn't mean there's an actual desire to play that out. But the main thing for me is that you need to talk with each other about what you would enjoy sexually, right? And and just because your spouse might share something and go, I've kind of all, it doesn't mean they're going, we're trying this no matter what. They just, it might be good just to be able to talk about it. Yeah, I think talking about things and being able to 
share them in a way that the other person doesn't feel judged or the other person doesn't feel like it's an expectation, it would be really important. Oh, Because I think that there's some things that, you know, if you're naturally prone to, especially as a, as a, I will just say, as a more conservative person, and if if you approach something to me and, and, it, and, it, and it was said in a way that it made me feel like a pressure or an expectation, then that would be very hurtful and hard for me to accept that. So can I, let me ask you then, and I know the answer, but I think it would be way better for to, for people to hear it from you. No. Just what? Kidding. No. Oh, <laughs> I just said no real quick. Ah, you thought I was going to No. So what then, because let me model gentlemen, what my wife is trying to say here. So let's, you know, we're not going to say anything weird or intimate here, but in essence, okay. what I would want to ask, what I want men or women to be able to ask your spouse goes something like this. So, hun, hey, if I am thinking of, or if I do have some like new creative idea or a fantasy, what what would be the best way for me to bring it up or talk with you about it? What kind of words do I want to make sure I use so that you feel honored and respected and it doesn't necessarily freak you out? Um, if you said something like, Hey, I was thinking about this, but there's no pressure. And I know that, you know, you're you and I want to respect you and love you. And so this is just an idea that I have, um, this, and then share the idea and then say, but honestly, this is not an expectation and I don't wish you to feel that way. And I love you and I love our sex life. And I'm just, and this is something that I thought about that might, you know, be, be fun. And we might both enjoy it. But if you don't enjoy it, you don't think you would enjoy it, that would be pleasurable for you. Then, you know, we don't have to do it. There you go. So I'm hearing so you, you say, it. yeah, well, be, but be, be lighthearted. And I don't mean silly yeah. or giggling. I mean, be relaxed. Don't be intense about it. Don't, you don't want me to come at you like, you know, because oh, you know what I could do, right? And this is what happens too many times. I could be like, oh my gosh, you know what? I am so bored. We don't, you know, we just turn the lights off and get under the sheets and, uh, you know what would be fun? Could we try something new? Like, I've been thinking about this, right? That'd be, yeah, that that's would terrible. Be really shaming. Well, it is. Yeah, that'd be it's really negative. Shaming. So yeah. you're saying yeah, keep it in the positive. from a negative place. Yeah, keep yeah. it keep it positive, keep it light, keep it non-committal. This is a green light idea, and mm -hmm. and be open. By the way, to your wife or husband, uh, not being mm -hmm. interested. My favorite, my favorite ever, and I won't say what it was because I don't want to embarrass you. But we were driving somewhere. It felt like we were outside of Seattle, and I kind of did that, and I brought up an idea, and I kept it light and positive. And I was like, so what do you think? Your reaction is like burned into my mind. Do you remember? <laughs> I think you've said this before. I don't really remember this conversation, you, you, to be you, you just kind of went, oh, okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let me think about that one. But thank you. I'm, yeah. Okay. And then you paused, thought for a couple minutes. I'm not sure. I don't know um, <laughs> that that's maybe something I would be open to, but you know, I don't thank you though. And it was so great. 
It was so, and actually that kind of even honestly fits under this. I may have had a fantasy about it, but then you answered in such an honoring way, right? You didn't freak mm -hmm. out and you weren't shaming and or, you know, whatever, get angry. You mm -hmm. were kind about it. And then even after that, the more I thought, I thought, no, nah, I'm really actually not. And I probably would have panicked myself anyways. And that's still, that your tone was so hilarious because you're like, okay, don't freak out. Don't lose it. Be really nice. Be calm. And you did a very good job. Thank you. All right. So here's number five. Enjoy your sexual relationship with each other. And things work out. If you would only share what you desire, you could actually start meeting your desires. Hmm. So, yeah. you know, the, 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 the real fantasy for me, I guess, the top of these five fantasies, and maybe I should have started at number five and gone to number one, this would be number one, mm -hmm. would be enjoy okay. sex with each other. Have fun. You know, it, it, keep it honoring and keep your attitude about serving the other person, and things really do work out. Yes. And I think for me, and this would be another huge piece of that anytime I think about sex or talking about sex, I think of the woman that's like, oh, but you just don't understand. You know, he's like, you know, wham, bam, and, and it is not, uh, not enjoyable for me and not this and not that. And he doesn't help out around the house and he doesn't do this and he doesn't ever serve me and you know, he doesn't ever meet my emotional needs. And so because he doesn't meet my emotional needs, then, you know, why am I expected to meet his his emotional needs or his sexual needs? I, I will tell you some women right now are listening to this going, yes, Amy, you are so right. That is exactly what's going on. And there's, I just want to push back a, just a little bit. Yeah, and watch out, ladies. Very gently, and just very softly, very gently to be able to say, I get it. I understand it. I want your emotional needs to be met. I want you, I want him to help out with the kids. I want him to be able to serve you. We got to be gentle and we got to set that up to happen. But just because we do, we want that to happen does not mean that we do not need to look on him with compassion and to be able to say, you know what, if when I can, when I have the emotional energy and when, when I've prayed about it and really, um, then I want to be able to give this gift to my husband because I know when I meet his emotional needs, it also sets me up to get my emotional needs met. And we want to set each other up to succeed. And so what does that look like? It looks like I do sometimes meet someone else's needs first, and I don't use sex as a weapon and say, you know, until you meet me emotionally, then forget it. I'm not going to do that let it be a little bit of both. And if I am at a place where I'm feeling emotionally bankrupt, then we start there. Sex needs to start there. It needs to start with the honest conversation of being able to say, guess what? You're getting some tonight. Okay, this is going to happen. I just want to let you know, I need to talk to you though first. And we need to have an emotional conversation. And I need you just to hear my feelings and for just for you to accept them. And then, and then guess what? 
I'm going to go there. I just need to be able to, let's just set the conversation. Let's just set the tone for our relationship to be honoring for both of each, both of us so that I can be an active participant in, in meeting each other's needs sexually, or I can truly enjoy the pleasure that we're going to have. Amen, sister. And you, you ended right where I was going to pick up. And I, I appreciate you being honest and that ladies can hear that from a lady. Really, it, folks, it comes down to your willingness to serve each other in everything. So let's stop complaining about the needs or desires or even fantasies of our spouse and let's start meeting them. Let's make that a priority. And when you do, things work out. That It kind of comes down to that. Am I off base? <laughs> No, I think that one of the things that to think about is if we, as women, it what's hard, especially in, I guess, our the Christian married culture, is it's really hard because there is an expectation that the 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 desire for sex, you know, that we might have had outside of marriage, inside of the marriage, it becomes an expectation. It becomes okay now. It's this instead of this gift that I I give this for, you know. And it was maybe, you know, we, it was wrong. We shouldn't have done it. Well, it kind of goes from expectation of, exciting and naughty, potentially, or just thrilling because, yeah. And then now there's just, this expectation. Or it just flat out just becomes an expectation. Yeah. It just becomes an expectation of, oh, my, this is his need. I get it. The world tells me he needs it. The Bible tells me he needs it. So guess what? So here I go. I, I have to. But the difference between you're um, you giving it as a gift versus an expectation has a lot to do with in your own brain yeah. as a woman, because our biggest sex organ is our brain and being able to, and the fantasy piece that we were just talking about, that's about our brain, right? about our thoughts. And so being able to allow ourselves to be able to say, you know what, I, what would it look like for, instead of you going into this, oh my gosh, I'm laying down, oh, tonight, I know it's going to be, it's been X, Y days, and so, oh, wow, here we go, and there's this, all this tension and this angst that happens, you know, like, oh, please, I'll just, I'll just close my eyes and hope that he doesn't, you know, hope that he doesn't turn over or whatever, you know, right, and, and or there's all that angst that's there, or you can say, you know what, I recognize that this is, that this is, this is probably coming. And so I'm going to prepare myself and I'm preparing my heart and God, you prepare my heart. And I want to give this as a gift versus an expectation. And so you give it before it even becomes an expectation. And how do you do that? And if you're not there, if you can't give it as a, as a gift versus an expectation, that's okay too. It's just a sign that something needs to be addressed. And that you might need to call in backup or that you might need to come in for an intensive or, you know, or guess what? You need to get you right with God and you need to say, okay, God, something is going on with me. And it might be something from your past. You might need counseling. You might need somebody from the outside to be able to speak into your life. Yeah. And and I don't even know. I, I'm assuming this is your own quote, but you said something and I had to type it out. And you have now created an entire special series off of one quote. You said, for women, our biggest sex organ is our brain. Wow. 
that that is one of the coolest things I've heard. And I don't know if you stole that from you someone. Heard that before? Oh yeah, no, I've heard, I've stolen it from all kinds of people. Oh, how have I never? Okay, well, that doesn't surprise me. Well, let me put a nice bow. You know, wrap this episode up, and then, then we get to the distraction of the day, which I think is going to freak my wife out. She's not even going to. She's going to have a difficult time sleeping tonight. So. Do you believe me, Amy? I hope I'll be able think to it's sleep mess tonight. With you. Okay, we'll see. And if you're not sleeping, we can think of other things to do. I'm just saying. Maybe that's why I'm doing this distraction of the day. For that reason. And I'll let, I'll, I'll let it go at that. So, we've discussed some things on the show today that aren't usually tackled on a Sunday morning. Maybe some of you are cringing yeah. in your seat and maybe you're feeling too embarrassed or unable to comprehend what you've just heard. Maybe you felt ashamed of these desires for so long that you can't feel, that you can't even begin to know how you're supposed to respond. Friends, the shame you feel in desiring your spouse sexually is not a conviction from the Holy Spirit. It is yet another tactic of the enemy used to keep you from experiencing the incredible intimacy, the joy and the unity you can have with your spouse when you explore your sexual relationship. If you don't get anything out of today's show, just know that desiring greater sexual intimacy with your spouse is not a treacherous or shameful thing. It is perfectly natural to think about and imagine experiencing sexual pleasure with your spouse. Fantasizing about your spouse is not some dirty sin you have to keep to yourself. In fact, it actually shows that you care about them and want to have more pleasure and intimacy in your relationship. Sex is something God created to establish a unique physical and spiritual bond between a husband and a wife. Don't dishonor God's creation by thinking that exploring sexual intimacy with your spouse is dirty or sinful or inappropriate. Remember, you and your spouse should be seeking to serve and honor each other in all things, but especially in your sexual relationship. If one party is in any way uncomfortable or hesitant, well, you obviously immediately stop. Discuss what's going on. Try to find out what might be underneath the surface. Sex is the most intimate and binding act you can commit with another person, and as such, you should take special care to ensure you and your spouse are both comfortable and happy with what's going on. Boom. Amen. Amen. Mic yeah. drop. So here we go. There you go. We've finally arrived to the distraction of the day. Here, okay, here's the title. Or, yeah, the title of the article I found. A Brief History of the People Paid to Eat Other People's Sins Away. What? Sin eaters. Okay, that's gross. No, this was a thing. And you know, no, because you and I, don't worry, it's not going to get horrible. But, you know, you, you and I have shared, we, we had the honor caring for my father his last 18 months of life, and he got to graduate to heaven right here in our home. Do you know yes. that people primarily now today die in hospitals but that's a recent thing. Like, really, it's only been the last 50 years 
of our country where people have stopped dying in the home and, you know, are dying in hospitals. I, that surprised me. I, I would have assumed it had been longer than that, but it's really only the last 50 years that we took death out of the home. Because death used to be this intimate in-home kind of thing. And here's just some. And it's the Victorian era that's messed up, by the way. That's where this sin eater Yeah, that's kind of gross. Yeah. So yeah. do you know in, in the Victorian era, they funeral biscuits were really popular. And the biscuit would have crosses on it and or a death head. Yeah, that'd be nice sitting there staring at your dead relative or family member eating a death head. Or they might even have biblical quotes on them. Biblical quotes on the biscuits? Yeah, that you're serving in your home for that loved okay, one's Okay, are funeral. you going to tell me that those biscuits were people's No, remains? we're not cannibals. Okay. No. Okay, just making sure. No. Based on the what the, the ashes from from uh, Disneyland, I was like, oh my okay. god. Okay, well, <laughs> it does. Okay, it does get a little. It does get a little weirder. So in the Middle Ages, Germans ate something they called a corpse cake. Gross. Yeah. Why? By leaving the rising pastry dough on the linen-covered chest of a dead body, corpse cakes were believed to absorb the best qualities of the dead, which were then passed on to mourners as they ate it. Wow. So it was That's sitting on so top weird. of the sheet on top of the dead person. Oh, but it gets even worse. So here's where it gets sad. Right, because these were just the things that you got if you died well and if you were good and, and you were virtuous. But mm-hmm. if we you, see all those bunk because we're yeah. never, none of us are virtuous. I know. It's sad. Jesus died for everybody. But what was a mourner to do when the deceased led a life full of sloth, envy, gluttony, covetousness, and pride? They had one option in yeah. Victorian era. Call what? the sin eater. It's yeah, this started isn't there a movie about that? That's I don't know. Gross. Hey, this started okay, appearing in England and Wales as far back as the 17th century. Sin eaters were a universally reviled, but and this is what's crazy to me. They were reviled but necessary evil. Against the wishes of the church, sin eaters were called in to relieve the deceased of any sins they might be carrying with them into death. So they would you know, the bread was placed on the chest of the laid-out body, and that bread would suck up all the sins from the dead, clearing them a passage to heaven. Once the sins had so been captured... Okay. No, no, listen. Once the sins had been captured, the sin eater would, sat, would sit on a stool facing the door, and he would eat the bread, taking on the sins as his own, Washing them down, and of course, this should be the only way to do that. Washing them down with a wooden bowl full of ale. So it's sad. Mm. These sin eaters were usually homeless because they were going from town to town to avoid being executed by the church. They were total social pariahs. And then here's the okay, so these people believe that they're actually taking on the sins, which is insane. And then when they finished, these sin eaters were often beaten and abused right out of the house. What in the world? We yeah, have come a long gross. way. Yeah, that's dumb. Yeah, I do not. Yeah, I wish I would not have known that. 
Did it mess with you a little bit? Yeah, it totally messed with me. And yeah. Yeah. Do you know that? In Jesus' name, that was not true. (laughs) And I just cannot believe that. Do you know the last? Yeah. The last sin eater died in 1906 in England. All the way up to 1906. Well, I mean, it's just really sad what the human condition will try to do with with sin. Because that's gross. Because we all just want to try to figure some, you know, we all want to, you know, say that, do it our way. And somehow, to me, I'm going to turn this back. I'm going to turn this all back around. I'm going to turn it to Jesus. So guess what? This is what I think. I think we all want to say that we want to somehow perform our way into getting to heaven. Like a, almost like a trickster. That we, that we could somehow change our course, someone's course or someone's fate by something that we do versus something versus believing in what Jesus did. We want control. And what Jesus did was Jesus was the ultimate sin eater, if you really want to be very frank about it, because he died for all of our sins. And so he's the only one that can eat our sins. And if you don't trust in him, then you know what? I don't care how many people you get to sit on your chest or whatever. It ain't going to happen. He is. That is such a great insight. Amen. And he did it. It's already done. Think about that. Think about Jesus on the cross and believe in him and want to preach that and teach that. Because that is a real truth. Amen, sister. You have been on fire this morning driving in the car. On well, fire. Well, I've, I've actually been in a parking lot, just so you know, oh. so, during the majority of this. So, yeah. Oh. But no. Well, no. Yeah. Anyway, that but yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I am now going to have thank to get you. to the car and get going. Hey, love you. Have a wonderful day. And thank you. Peace be with you. <laughs> okay. And also with you. Love and you. with Jesus. All right. Love you. Bye. What? I just hung up on her. She's done. She leave it to my wife to bring it back around in a healthy way. God bless her. She is good for me. All right, people, we're done. Don't forget, pursue oneness. It's highly practical. You get to learn seven major things that we teach through our marriage intensive program. But where we have changed is our focus now is about making disciples of Christ through marriage education. So that's been a major addition for Pursue Oneness. It's our first book that has that as its primary focus. So go to smalleyinstitute.com. You can check that out. And don't forget, if you like the show, subscribe makes it easy for you and leave a review.